Hello, and welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Here we go. Okay, we're starting. And welcome to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast episode eight with Amy Hamlin in New York State. Uh, Amy is the executive director for the Coalition for Healthy School Food, a nonprofit that introduces plant-based foods and nutrition education to schools to educate the whole school community about the health, environmental, and social justice issues of our food choices. Thank you for being here, Amy. Thank you for having me. I've been really looking forward to talking with you. Uh, so let's just launch right to the important stuff. You wrote a groundbreaking New York State legislature, legislative resolution that passed unanimously, so that's incredible, uh, that requested vegan entrees each day, as well as education on nutrition and different multicultural and vegan eating styles. So can you share about that and any developments since then? Yes, so I wrote the legislative resolution before our nonprofit was started. Like you said, it passed unanimously. And um, it's not a law, it's a recommendation, but it's introduced and voted on the same way that laws are. So it really, its main purpose was to be educational and to raise awareness. Then we started the nonprofit the Coalition for Healthy School Food, and everything we've done as an organization is what's happened since then. Right, so what, when was the founding of the shortened CH, CHSF, correct? Right, Coalition for Healthy School Food. So we uh, founded it in 2004, right after this New York State Legislative Resolution passed, and it was co-founded by myself and Brad Goldberg, uh, we founded it in order to implement the recommendations of the resolution. So can you share what's been going on since then? I'm sure quite a lot, <laughs> but since 2004, <laughs> we're now 16 years later. So what's been happening? Yeah, 16 years worth of many, many programs, activities, resources, websites, um, going into schools and helping schools switch. So um, I guess it's just um, hard to even know where to start because um, it, everything that we've been done over the 16 years. So I guess one thing I could say is that uh, we're responsible for the first four vegetarian public non-charter schools in the United States. All of those are in New York City and there's a vegan option on the menu every day in New York City schools, which is hummus. Um, so um, all schools, all schools in New York City, um, that's about 1800 schools, students can get hummus or peanut butter and jelly every day, which is vegan. Um, they also have salad bars, which have beans on them. Um, but because the salad bars come after the serving line, the salad bar is a bonus and doesn't really count towards the meal officially. Um, so the students still have to get a fruit or a vegetable plus two more components when they go through the line. Um, but in any case, we helped four New York City schools adopt vegetarian menus, and these menus are available to any school in New York City that wants them. And so we <clears throat> educate schools that it's an available option, 
and then we help schools transition to this type of a menu. Um, we also help schools anywhere in the country. We've also talked to some schools outside of the country, although different countries have different rules for their school meals. So we're really familiar with the rules in the United States, but certainly we have recipes that we can share um, and marketing ideas for how to promote these recipes if a school from a different country is interested in learning more. I have a question. This was not on my lineup, but those four first, I guess you could say pioneering public uh, non-charter schools in New York City that went vegetarian um, or included, were the first ones to include um, vegan options on their lunch menus. Uh, what, what was it about these schools um, that led to that? I think the leadership of those schools, the principals were the ones who made the decisions. So the principals in the United States, that's the head of the school and they make the decisions. And um, I think they were very, they are very forward thinking leaders who really do everything they can to have the best school environment for their students. Right, that's really exciting. And it's exciting that you also work with schools across the nation because of course it's great to look at New York City and what you're doing there as really groundbreaking, but um, there's gotta be interest all across, all across our nation. Um, so you, you're having trickle of interest from all sorts of angles, I imagine. That's right. Um, well, we've shared our recipes with 26,000 schools nationwide, and plus anybody can go on our website and get the recipes. So I don't know how many schools actually use the recipes, but they have been shared very widely. And um, so I think that's really exciting. The other thing I wanted to say about those vegetarian menus is we're always working to get more vegan options on those menus um, because obviously vegetarian is not enough. Um, but schools in this country, they do have to offer milk. And um, so, so it is a vegetarian menu but they also offer a lot of cheese-based entrees and we're trying to get them to move away from that and towards more plant-based vegan entrees. <clears throat> um, so, and then in terms of schools across the country, we do, we have schools reach out to us and I think more and more schools are starting to serve vegan entrees. Uh, you see that in the bigger cities before you see it in the smaller rural communities, but even we're working with some small rural communities as well. So it is, it is happening. I think it's becoming more mainstream. And I think the environmental aspects, in addition to the health aspects, are really pushing this message along. Right, this wasn't in my lineup of questions either, but it really gets to the heart of what you're doing. And, and I get it, but I'm sitting here thinking, well, there's, of course, as you said, there's many cheese-based entrees. There's still meat being served in school, cow's milk. So many people might wonder why why are vegan meals even important? Why are plant-based entrees on school menus a priority? Um, so can you that I mean that really gets to the heart of your mission too. This is what what you guys are doing is making this more available and and a reality. So what is the importance of this? 
Well, first of all, nearly 7 billion meals are served in schools each year in the United States. 7 billion individual meals. And so it's a huge opportunity to reach our children when they're young and they're still developing their taste preferences. And um, also schools are the place where children go to learn and um, they are learning some about health and nutrition in schools, at least in certain grades and certain classes. They're learning about it. Now, what they're learning is influenced by the food industry. So some of what they're learning is really good, like eat more fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And some of what they're learning is not so good. But, um, but the point is there is some effort to teach kids about good nutrition in schools. And then the kids go to the cafeteria and what's there does not match with what they're learning to some degree. And so in, ter in terms of schools practicing what they teach, you know, instead of practice what you preach, we say practice what you teach, um, that the school cafeteria should really be an example of an ideal way to eat. And because so many kids depend on their school meals um, as a major part of their daily calories. Some kids eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at schools in this country and, and would go hungry if they didn't have that food in schools. So um, it's great for parents who are feeding their kids healthfully. We don't want the schools to undermine that. But also for kids who come to school hungry, who depend on those school meals, um, even though many food service directors will say that, you know, as long as the kids eat something, that's what's important. And it, it's true when you have a hungry child, the most important thing is that they eat something. But why is that good enough? Why are they eating something healthy? It's all the more important for the children who come to school hungry to get healthy, nutrient-dense foods that support good health and prevent diseases. Um, it's just it's just so important that the, the kids who are most in need of food be getting healthy food at school. So we want schools to practice what they teach. And we want them to be a good example since children may not get exposure to these foods outside of school. Um, it's a great place to plant seeds. It's a great place to learn. And the food should be part of the learning. That's wonderful. The food should be part of the learning. I love that. Another question I had, this one I thought was touches on something very exciting. You work with um, chefs across New York, chefs of different restaurants uh, for recipe ideas. Yes, we do. Um, for example, many of our recipes have been co-developed with Moosewood Restaurant, which is a very famous restaurant in Ithaca, New York, where I live. Um, Simeon's on the Commons is also here in Ithaca. In um, New York City, we've worked with Candle Cafe, who's been very helpful. And um, they help to develop and or modify and test recipes. Um, in New York City, we have many culinary partners who help us in a number of ways. For example, they donate food for our food tasting gala. They come into our classroom and do cooking activities with students. They host family dinner nights in our schools and um, donate and serve the food where whole families can come in for a free dinner um, and educational activities. 
they supply food for our teacher professional development workshops. And so we have many culinary partners who are really just very treasured people who we so appreciate. And um, so that's really great. Um, for example, we just recently did a training for all incoming and returning nursing students at a city university. Normally we work with grades kindergarten through 12, but we, we got connected with a nursing school in New York City. So to 200 new and returning nursing students, we did uh, a free lunch and a speaker. Um, one speaker was a doctor, and then on a different day, it was a nurse talking about the benefits of plant-based eating. And um, one lunch was provided by Chloe, and the other one was provided by Vspot. And so um, this really opened these nursing students' eyes to information about health that they really had not had before. So the, the culinary partners, they really make these kinds of things possible. Right, that's really exciting that you're now getting into your medical um, professionals as well. I see this, you're starting to see more news about hospitals offering plant-based entrees too. So it's really the spectrum of learning is growing across so many fields about plant-based nutrition too. Yes, and I will also say that the nonprofit group Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine um, helped pass a law in New York State that hospitals have to offer vegan entrees, which is great. Yeah. So, um, because people who are sick and recovering from uh, some sort of medical crisis should be having this option. Right. Um, so, I think that's really great. Uh, I also wanted to add one other thing that it's not just restaurants who help us develop recipes, it's also individuals. So for example, Ms. Patel's Rajma is an Indian recipe developed by none other than Ms. Patel, mm -hmm. who is an after-school um, teacher and a, an assistant teacher during the school day and then an after-school teacher. Really wonderful woman. So, so we told her we would love a Rajma recipe and she developed it for us. And then Moosewood Restaurant sort of scaled it so it would be a quantity recipe for us. And, um, and then there's um, a local man named Roy who is Cuban, and he developed Roy's Cuban wraps for us. He actually works for the school district food service, um, but he also is at our farmer's market serving Cuban food. So we thought it'd be great to have something Cuban. And so, um, so sometimes we find individuals who come from another country who can also help us develop these recipes. I have to ask, you're making me hungry. What's inside the Cuban wrap? <laughs> What's in the Cuban wrap? It's black beans and rice and spices mm, delicious. in a burrito wrapper. Mm -hmm. Yummy. And it's delicious. <laughs> yes, it sounds really good. Um, all right, I have another question about, um, well, should we address the current administration's proposal of changing school menus and then at what impact, if any, is that gonna have on New York schools? Well, it is deeply disappointing, but it's certainly not surprising that our current administration um, is weakening the regulations. They do this to support the food industry rather than supporting the children. Um, it won't have any impact on New York City schools because they will stick to those previous and stronger guidelines 
because they know that is what is right. And in schools around New York State and around the country, it will vary. I think most schools um, will stick to the original regulations and not change them, but it's all about politics. And what are the beliefs of the food service director in a given school district? Do they want to feed kids healthfully? Of course they do. But so many of them just don't understand nutrition and are swayed by the political public relations talking points that come from the food industry. And so um, it varies. But what I will say is that part of the excuse for trying to weaken the regulations is that it was too hard for schools to meet the regulations in terms of flavored milk being skim, in terms of whole grains, in terms of sodium. Those are, those are the things that have been weakened. And it's just not true because there were all these studies done in 99.9% .9 of schools across the countries were meeting the regulations and more students were participating once the food got healthier. Back in 2012, these new regulations came and they did result in more participation in the school meal programs. And so the fact that virtually all schools with very few exceptions were meeting the regulations um, proves that there was no need to roll back the standards. Um, so it really is about politics and pressure from the food industry. But I think most schools, because they were already um, meeting the regulations, will just continue to do what they were already doing. The rollback does not require them to weaken their regulations. It just allows them to. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting. We'll have to pay attention to what, what goes on with that in the future. Um, connected to that, you mentioned milk. You've mentioned addressed milk a couple of times um, in this conversation as a as a mother and as a vegan myself this is um, and I have two young children in preschool here where we live um, so I'm very <clears throat> very much keeping tabs on the milk situation and kind of kind of always pressing the button there um, so what are you seeing in terms of uh, milk's future in school lunches and um, current status for provision of plant-based milk for lunch sure well I don't see it changing for a long time, but I, I hope I'm wrong. The fact is that most people of color can't digest milk or milk products. And so there is a racial bias associated with that. Um, and I talked about that when I testified before the US Dietary Guidelines Committee in Washington last July, and so did several others. Um, because, the US, uh, because the school meals are based on the US Dietary Guidelines. So if the guidelines change, the school meals are supposed to change, though it usually will lag by a few years. But, um, you know, another fact is that it's a known carcinogen for prostate cancer and a possible carcinogen for ovarian cancer. And milk is also one of the more allergenic foods there is. And one manifestation of a dairy allergy, especially in children, is chronic constipation. So, um, and also one young child who was allergic to milk died in New York City after being given a cheese sandwich, even though there was an allergy policy in place for him about that. And that was really tragic. So it's tragic about the child who died and it's tragic because animal proteins promote cancer. And 
milk is not a health food except for the mammal for whom it was made. Right. So cow's milk is a health food for baby cows. But baby cows grow from, I don't know, 60 or 80 pounds when they're born to like almost a thousand pounds in a year. So cow's milk is designed for massive growth. Cow's milk has about 35% protein. Human breast milk is only 5% protein. So how much protein in a mammal's milk, it's related to how quickly the baby doubles its weight, how quickly the baby grows. So rat's milk is 45% protein, cow's milk 35%, human milk 5%. So um, all this protein in milk, it's, it's, it's actually too much and it's not designed for humans unless it's human breast milk. So um, also, I think we were all raised thinking that milk is important for strong bones. We we're all raised learning that because milk does have calcium and calcium is necessary for strong bones. Um, but um, now actually there is evidence that milk does not build strong bones looking at the Harvard Nurses Health Study, which is a huge and ongoing study, um, that women who drank more milk did not have stronger bones and you don't see strong bones, the strong bones claim on the posters that are supplied by the dairy industry free to school cafeterias anymore. You see, it'll say milk has calcium, but they don't say it has strong, that, that it causes strong bones. Um, now they're more focused on the protein, which milk does have protein, but um, protein's not considered a nutrient of concern in the United States. Um, it's, it's hard to not get enough protein if you're getting enough calories. So, um, you know, they're, they're pushing milk for protein when really it's not needed for protein. Um, it's not needed for anything because it's not natural for a mammal to be consuming the milk of another species or to be consuming milk after weaning. So um, we just think that it's a big problem. And regarding the plant-based milks, they're expensive. And so you can't just get it. Um, schools may, but are not obligated to provide plant-based milks. Um, and the reason they're not obligated is because there's no additional funding for them to reimburse the school for them. Um, basically the amount it would cost for a carton of non-dairy milk is almost as much as the entire food budget for the whole meal. So that's wow. my part. But um, there are students under the Americans with Disabilities Act who maybe the school may be required to provide a non-dairy milk if they have, it's a special type of a plan under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So in that case, then a school would have to, but that's, it's not that common. Right. Well, as you said, it's not, I mean, if we're really looking at biology, it's not even really natural after weaning. So, so even providing plant-based milks through elementary schools, I mean, it's really not necessary. Um, but as long as the animal milk is being, is, is um, being provided, that, that was my thinking, <clears throat> is there an alternative? But um, yeah. If we, yeah we, we think the best alternative is water. Right. And um, when water is made available and looks appealing, for example, if it's in a in one of those um, dispensers that is clear on the top, like a clear glass or plastic, and 
the milk, I mean, sorry, the water is in there and maybe you float some citrus slices in there or some mm -hmm. cucumber slices or crushed mint. Yeah. Kids love that. Yeah. And we don't need, we don't need any kind of milk. We don't need cow's milk and we don't need the non-dairy milks either. I That's mean, true. they're great if you like them, but we don't need them as part of our diet it would be better if the kids would drink water and then eat more healthy foods because one of the challenges is a lot of times kids come in the cafeteria and they'll drink a chocolate milk and eat a piece of fruit and then they're done. Yeah. So, you know, that's some, that's a lot of times what kids are eating. Mm -hmm. um, they'll fill up on the chocolate milk. And right. so it's a problem. It actually results in kids eating less healthy food. Mm, okay. Yeah, very interesting here, this milk saga. Um, so be paying attention to that. Um, well, I want to move on to something that's a little bit more, more fun. Um, yeah. I find the milk discussion very fun, very, very essential, extremely important. Um, but you had a 2019 gala, plant-based food tasting and comedy show in New York City. This was part of, this was a coalition event. Yes. Um, every year we do a, a food tasting gala to raise awareness and, and raise funds for our programming. And um, this year in 2020, it's scheduled to be November 12th in New York City. Um, we provide almost all of our programs to schools for free. And um, of course, if they can pay, that's great and we'll accept it. But um, most can't. So we need to raise the funds to operate our programs. And um, our, our greatest desire is to find funders who we can count on year after year. You know, we have a handful of those who are generous donors each year. So we can really minimize the time that we spend raising funds and maximize our programming. So um, we have, you know, large donors who donate every year and we know that their donation is coming and that's great. We also have small donors who maybe donate $5 a month and that really adds up too. So we love these monthly recurring donations or annual donations. Um, if people are interested in donating to us, they can go to our website, healthyschoolfood.org and they'll see the donation link. That's really great. The, I just, it was so fun to read about the the gala. It sounds like so much. It really sounds like a very creative and fun community event too. So. Um, oh, it's a blast! I mean, we have all that. I talked about our culinary partners earlier. We've all these different restaurants that come. They bring food and they serve their food. Um, we have a whole vegan cheese tasting event that's um, sort of is part of the appetizers, and. Um, like um, we the the beverages, the wine, the water, and juice are donated, and all the food is donated. And we have a raffle, a silent auction. We have entertainment, and so it's really it's really a fun event that um, we have the regulars who come every year, and then every year there's new people. It's it's a lot of fun. It sounds like it. Well, I want to end this conversation. This is extremely interesting. I know there will be listeners. Um, at least I hope, um, across the nation, possibly the world, uh, including parents like myself, who definitely are always engaged in the conversation about what's my kid eating in school and um, looking at what the plant-based options are and are really, really intrigued by what's going on in other 
other places in the world with um, the movement of bringing healthier foods to school. So it's, it's really wonderful hearing about what you're doing and your name. I have to mention before we even met uh, earlier this year, uh, your name was dropped to me by a number of people in New York State for the wonderful work you do. You're so well known for um, the work you're doing. I want to end on a little local energy of where you're at, um, Ithaca, beautiful, gorgeous Ithaca. <laughs> um, and you, you yourself, uh, as you know, Pacific Roots Magazine, we, we cover vegan agriculture too. And I know you don't have a commercial farm, but you, you're doing a little farming um, in your own at your, on your own homeland. Um, growing Peace Farm, you call it? Yeah, Growing Peace Farm. And it's not, it's really in its infancy. So it's not really a farm yet, but I have, an, I have a half an acre fenced in and um, I have planted all kinds of fruit trees and berries, um, blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries. Um, and I am really excited. I, so I call it my big garden right now, but, but eventually it will be an actual small farm but it's just, I'm still working on things like soil improvement. I have really heavy clay. Um, I'm learning to be a farmer, but I'm not one yet. I don't sell anything, um, but I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm doing it veganically, so there's no animal inputs. And um, so dealing with the hard clay and dealing with getting the soil ready, I'm using, um, green cover crops, some growing green cover crops. I'm using shredded leaves. I'm using mowed grass. All of these things provide a lot of fertility. And so that's my biggest effort that's going on right now is soil improvement. Because it's interesting that the fruits grow really well in this hard clay, but the vegetables do not. So okay. interesting. I need to do some work on that. Well, I did. I did want to add one other thing back to the schools just a minute, is that we're located in New York State and we do have ongoing formal partnerships with several schools in New York State, but we do help schools anywhere at all in the country. And like I said, even outside the country. Um, and also our big focus is um, foods from different cultures. And so I just wanted to add that because our recipes, we call them cool school food. And the reason we call them cool school food, it's it's cool because you can learn about and experience food from other cultures um, and because it's healthy, but also because it helps keep the planet cool since um, animal agriculture is probably the biggest cause of climate change. And so um, there's an article in the journal Nature that says a drastic reduction in animal product consumption is necessary um, in order to stay within the um, well, that won't even keep us within the 1.5 degrees centigrade, but within the two degrees centigrade, even if the majority of people in the world switch to a plant-based diet. So it's absolutely necessary to save our planet um, for it to continue to be habitable, that people drastically reduce or ideally eliminate animal products from their diet for the planet. So cool school food, since kids are climate striking, they're leaving school to climate strike, I think it's super important that the principals of the school or the school districts have vegan food on the menus. It's climate-friendly food. 
and they let their students know, yes, we do. We really care about your future and that you have one here on planet Earth and you can come into our school cafeteria and we have climate friendly food here for you. That's delicious, multicultural, healthy, and it's going to help the planet. It's going to help right now and it'll help in the future. <laughs> That's, that's a great note to end on. And, and the way you wrap that up, the fact, I mean, this is a movement now. It's a real move, movement with the youth as well. The, the awareness that, that has come forth with the younger generations is incredibly, um, it's incredibly inspiring and awakening. And so to map, like you mentioned, for, for principals and food, food service directors to be taking this into um, awareness as well and creating climate-friendly Climate friendly school menus are are what needs to happen now, right? So I'm I'm so thankful to be able to witness the work you're doing and learn more. And thank you for taking time today to talk and share about what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I I I know we'll stay in touch, but it's really great work that you're doing to help spread the message too. So Pacific Roots magazine is just a really great resource for people and I thank you for doing it. Thank you. Yes, of course we'll stay in touch. And I have to say I really like the plant behind you too. Oh <laughs> thank you, my Norfolk Island pine. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Annika. Take care. Thank you for listening to Pacific Roots Magazine podcast. Visit us online at PacificRootsMagazine.com.